Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Absolutely fabulous. <laughs> and you probably didn't even know that there was anything wrong with the piano, right? <laughs> the, uh, the pedal went out, see? And uh, we've had that happen before. And that's the thing when you know when you're with uh, using electronic instruments and such and computerized things, there's, there's always a possibility of a little technical difficulty. But uh, she covered it quite well. <laughs> Amen. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles uh, to the book of First John. That's the first epistle of John. And sometimes folks get that uh, mixed up with the Gospel of John. But it's the uh, the first the first epistle, which is way over toward the end of, of the Bible, just to. Uh, First John before Second and Third John, <laughs> which are before Jude, which is before Revelation. Amen. <laughs> but uh, First John. Now, at the end of the, the service today, or toward the end of the of the, the sermon, actually, we're going to give you a, a stepwise model that um, I had the good fortune of receiving when I attended a, a prayer. Uh, seminar many, many years ago, decades ago actually, um, by an organization called Change the World School of Prayer. And uh, the, the, um, the goal of, of the seminar was to teach us how to pray for an hour each day. And one of the things that, uh, that they said was, you know, when we mention praying for an hour, people will say, well, what in the world do you say for an hour? Okay, you know, and um, you'd be amazed. You you you'd, you'd be amazed at, at what um, what you can actually pray for within an hour. And so we want to give you that because this this book, First of John, uh, is written with the goal, if you will, to use the uh, the terminology from our Sunday school lesson to ensure that Christians continue growing in their relationship with the Lord. The Bible is for all humanity, for everyone, saved and unsaved. But in, in some specific cases, the letters were written to address issues that were going on in churches and in 
individual Christian lives. And here in this book, the, the Apostle John, uh, he calls himself the elder. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's probably, uh, at, the, at this writing, somewhere between 70, 80 uh, years old, or perhaps even, even older. But his desire is for each individual Christian and each individual church to continue growing and being grounded in the Lord. Now, the hymn that Miss Ginger just played, the church's one foundation, amen, is Jesus Christ, her Lord. You see. And he is the foundation of, of our lives. And so, uh, let's begin here. The, uh, the title of the message is That Which We Have Seen and Heard We Declare to You and begins or is taken from uh, 1 John chapter 1 and uh, verse, verse 5. And so let's begin uh, reading there. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk, just as he walked. Brethren, I write to you no new commandment but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, that which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness, and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven, are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him 
who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Let's pray. Our Father, as we study this passage of Scripture, we thank you for your holy word, your heavenly love letter to us. We pray now, O Lord, that you be our teacher. By the Holy Spirit and to the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to the growing of your children. Lord, as we study, we pray that we will have open hearts, receptive minds, receptive spirits to hear what your word has to teach us, what you have to teach us through your word. And then, Lord, when it is time to make that commitment, well, we pray that all during the service we will be committed to you. And that when we leave this place, that we will take what we've learned and apply it in a practical and beneficial way to your honor to the honor of the Lord Jesus and with the desire of sharing it with someone who is lost, that they too will come to know your love. And we pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> so walking in the light, and John, you know, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't mince words. He comes right out and he says, you know, anyone who says that, uh, basically, that, that they're walking with the Lord and yet is harboring hatred towards someone else is not walking in the light of the Lord. Because to walk in the light of the Lord is to walk in God's love. And we're to love all people. Now, I'll admit, there are some people who are real difficult to like. <laughs> Let alone love. <laughs> but, but, by God's Spirit and by God's enabling, we're able to look at people from God's perspective. And remember that, that God brings people into our lives. And every one of these people provides an opportunity for us to share the message of God's love with them. That's really walking in the light. And walking with God really refers to, to fellowship, this, this relationship that we have with Him. But it's not just a relationship with, with God, but also with one another. We're to be growing in our relationship with Him and with one another. And we've, we've given you this, this little model uh, before. Three basic types of relationships. The vertical one, that is our personal relationship with God. The horizontal one, the relationship that we have with one another, with other human beings. We even have a relationship, we've mentioned this before, with animals and with living things and the world in which we live that, that God has created and placed us within. 
But we also have an inward relationship, do we not? One that we have with ourselves. But if that relationship with, with God is, is, is out of balance, guess what? Those other relationships are going to be out of balance as well. We need to ensure that we are walking in God's light. Now what does light really refer to? Vision, perception, knowledge. That is knowledge of God's holy word. Because it is in God's word that we find God's standard for living. God's standard. Not the world's standard, but God's standard for living. And that requires honesty. It requires us to be honest with ourselves. Self-awareness. Now for the sake of time, I'll just mention this, this reference here, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And you're probably familiar with that. It's where, where he says, if, you know, in the, in the year that King Uzziah died, he saw a vision of the Lord, high and lifted up. And the, the glory of the Lord. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he became acutely aware of his own sinfulness. And we're talking about Isaiah the prophet, who was a godly man. Isaiah the prophet, whose, whose book, the message that God preached through, through Isaiah, these 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah, referred often to as a miniature Bible all in itself. He says, Whoa. <laughs> he had to put his hand over his mouth. He said, Woe is me. I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. And what was he talking about? He was talking about his whole being. He became acutely aware of the fact that he is a sinner. And, and to walk in God's light, we must be honest and admit that we are sinners. Sin is a reality. A reality. A reality that most people do not want to accept or believe or acknowledge. We're guilty. We are all guilty. We are sinners. And in this book, in this, this lovely little red, uh, letter that, that, that the aged apostle John writes, he's also combating false teaching. You notice that so many of the letters in the New Testament are written to combat false teaching. Because the world teaches you this. We're just, we're all okay. You're okay, I'm okay, we're all okay. There's nothing wrong. We're just human, you know. Well, it is true, we're human. But the Bible goes a step further and says, not only are we human, but we're also sinners. And we must admit that, honestly. And then he brings out the fact that we need to acknowledge 
that there is forgiveness. All right? So he doesn't just point out the fact that we're sinners. Ah, he also provides the answer, the remedy. The answer, the remedy, is Jesus Christ our Lord. Acknowledging the grace and the cleansing power of the Lord Jesus Christ's sacrificial death in our lives. And that's, that requires personal acceptance. Guess what? Your mom can't accept Jesus for you. It would be a great thing for her to accept Christ as Savior, amen? amen. And she can share Christ with you. But you must accept Christ personally, on your own. We've mentioned before that great hymn, Amazing Grace, written by John Newton. His mother was a, a devout Christian in England, and he was a slave trader. And his mother would witness to him, oh, but he didn't have time for that. He wanted to make money in the enterprise of slavery. Well, the story goes on. His mother went home to be with the Lord. When he learned all of those times that she had witnessed to him and, and prayed for him, ah, now his heart was broken. And in his brokenness, he turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he gave his heart to the Lord. And the Lord gave him that song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. T'was blind, and now I see. Personal acceptance, acknowledging the grace, and what grace, oh, what tremendous grace the generosity of God. Our God is a loving and a giving and a generous God. And we as his children are the recipients of, of that grace and that generosity. Paul's desire here is not to just point the finger at someone. Oh, but to point the way to that special someone, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so, he says, we have an advocate with the Father. Now, he, he, he says, now, my little children, don't sin. <laughs> right? Don't sin. He says, don't give your lives over to sin. Don't allow sin to take control of your life. He says, but knowing that sin is a reality, if you do sin, and really we could say, when you do sin. I think we mentioned that gentleman, right? He said, you know, I've had a good day so far. <laughs> you recall that, right? I haven't, uh, you know, I haven't gotten upset with anybody. I haven't cussed anybody out, you know. I haven't told a lie. I haven't, all this. He said, but, you know, Lord, now I have to get out of bed <laughs> and start the day. <laughs> Sin is a reality in our lives. Now, this term advocate, 
The word that's, that's used here is actually used in the Gospel of John. John's the one who, who likes to use this word. You may have heard it in the, in the Greek. It's parakletas. The paraclete, if we give it an English transliteration. But with Greek, as with most languages and, and, and writings, the context determines the meaning. And in this case, it refers to a defender. Jesus Christ is our defender. Amen? He's our defender. He's our intercessor. He's the one who pleads our case. He's our consoler and our counselor and our comforter. And he speaks to the Father on our behalf or in our defense. Stop for a moment and think about that. So let's turn to John, chapter 17, the Gospel of John, chapter 17. John chapter 17. Did you know that Jesus prayed for you when he was walking on the earth with his disciples? You say, what? Then yes, Jesus prayed for you, for me. He prayed for all Christians, for all believers through all time. Notice in John 17, first in the, in the first portion of, of this chapter, he prays for himself because of what he's about to face. Then he prays for the disciples. And then notice, beginning at, at verse 20, and let me read here. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. You hear that? For every person who will accept Christ as Savior as a result of both the preaching and the writing done by the disciples. That's you and that's me and that's every Christian that has come to know Christ as Savior throughout time. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Notice this. We know that, that God loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father. But stop for a moment and consider that he loves us. The Father loves us as he loves the Son. See what Jesus said? And have loved them as you have loved me. You, we, are loved. And it is, it is a love that is beyond human description. Now turn to, to Luke chapter 22. 
And you'll recall when Jesus was telling the disciples about all the different things that were going to happen and how that they were going to betray him and such, and they all said, no, no, that they wouldn't. And you remember Peter? Well, verse 31, verse 31 in, in Luke 22. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, that's Simon Peter. Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. You understand? We have an advocate. We have a defender. We have one who pleads our case before the Father. I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Now notice what he says, because this is before Peter does this. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. You notice that? But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times. And yet Jesus had prayed for him. And the Bible, there are many different places that, that teach us that Christ intercedes on our behalf. Now back to 1 John. We have an advocate with the Father. But we have some responsibility as well. In this relationship, a relationship requires more than one person, doesn't it? We have responsibility. Our responsibility is to confess. So what does it mean to confess? In the most basic defining statement, it's saying the same thing that God says about sin. You follow? Saying the same thing that God says about sin. The Bible is filled with information regarding do's and don'ts, isn't it? <laughs> Makes it very, very clear. And you've heard me say this before, God is not confused about it. He's not confused. We bear responsibility to confess our sins, to own up, to own up to our failures. And I'm not talking about, you know, making a mistake. We, we discussed that on Wednesday. You, you know, you, you miscalculate uh, some mathematical problem. That's, that's not a moral issue. That's not an ethical issue. Unless you're embezzling somebody, then okay, <laughs> all right. But we're talking about spiritual, moral standards as, as described in the, in the scripture. Now notice, when, when we confess, God promises forgiveness. Here in this passage, in verse 9 of chapter 1 in 1 first, uh, in first John, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. God is faithful to forgive Oh, that God's people would be faithful to forgive. Yes? We all struggle with that. We struggle with, with forgiving, yet we like to be forgiven ourselves. Oh, but we find it so hard, you know. Yeah. Forgiveness. And cleansing. 
this idea of cleansing. Now, God is faithful, and there's this, this 50 cent word here, right? Propitiation. Propitiation. So let me give you a definition for that. Basic definition, definition is the atoning sacrifice. Some say, well, what, what does that mean? Well, let me, let me read some information that I've written here. <laughs> the atoning work of Christ that cleanses from sin and appeases the wrath of God. It is the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that paid the penalty for the sins of the people of God, and as John says, for the whole world in their entirety. Now listen, past, present, and future. Did you hear that? The death of Christ upon the cross paid the penalty in full for our life of sin, past, present, and future. And there are those who say, well, if you commit this sin, then you can, you can lose your salvation. No, you can't. The Bible does not teach that. The grace of God is greater than our sin. We sing that hymn. And God is faithful. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. You can't earn your way there. Because here's the fallacy with this, with this position. Oh, you, you, you sin, you can lose your salvation. No. We're all sinners. And we sin every day. And the person who says, well, I didn't sin today, they just did. Because they just lied. And which is worse, to steal $5 or to steal $50? Or to steal $500 or $5,000? That's right, they're all the same. Why? Because it's that. And what does the commandment say? Thou shall not steal. Send that one to Washington, will you? Okay? <laughs> Type it up in real big letters and mail it to Washington. Yes. And then mail it to every governor's office in all 50 states and to the territories as well. Thou shalt not steal. Well, the atoning sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, moving on here. We'll do our best to cover this in the next five minutes. Keeping the commandments. The commandments. Well, law versus grace. Rules versus devotion. But we're not talking about being rule keepers. You, you understand now, we re do realize that there are rules that, that we need to abide by. But someone has said, it's not about rules, it's about righteousness. It is about a life of devotion. Devotion to God. And what are the commandments? Well, you can look in Exodus chapter 20 if you want to know where the Ten Commandments are listed in Exodus chapter 20. It gives you the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are a mirror where we can look into to see where we're out of place in, in our lives. Now there are those who, who they don't like the idea of the law. But we're not saved by the law. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. 
We live by God's grace, but yet, which one of those Ten Commandments are you going to throw out? You think it's okay for a Christian to take the Lord's name in vain? You think it's okay for the Christian to worship idols? You think it's okay for the, for the Christian to not be in a church? There are Christians who teach, well, you don't have to go to church, you know, you don't have to go to church. Well, they didn't read that in the Bible. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as is the custom of, is of some. You find that in the book of Hebrews. But you know the commandments. And then Deuteronomy, it's referred to as the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, your strength. And it's repeated again. Jesus quotes it in the book of Mark. So what does it mean to keep the commandments? John says it's love. And he learned that from Jesus because Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. What does it mean to keep them? It means to walk in the light of God's holy word. To walk in or to have a life that is consistent with God's word. Not inconsistent, but consistent with his standard of morality and ethic. Not the ethic of the world. So, I want to give you this last little bit here. Now, it's going to be a lot for you to write down, but I'll bring this with me on Wednesday night. So the question is, how are you doing? And, that, and, it, and it has to do with, how are you doing with your walk in the light? Because God's the light. Amen? And in his word, he shares his desire for us. The purpose of the book is to grow and to be filled with the joy of the Lord so that your joy may be full. That's in verse 4, chapter 1. So, here are some action steps to help you in your walk with God. First of all, spend time today. <laughs> you say, well, I'm in church. <laughs> ah, but spend time today alone with God. Find a quiet, private place where you will not be interrupted. Where you will not be interrupted. Turn off your phone. Guess what? The sun is not going to fall out of the sky if you turn your phone on. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's what I used to tell the kids at the school. You know? Okay. The sun isn't going to fall out of the sky. <laughs> or in other words, life is going to continue. And begin with prayerful devotion. So 12, 12 steps here, 12 action steps. Prayerful devotion. Begin with praise. Set aside an hour or more and begin by praising God. And if you need help, turn to Psalm 150. And then, after you praise God, sit there and wait upon Him. Just wait for God to speak to you. Now, understand this. God speaks to His children. He speaks to us through His Holy Word. He speaks to us 
by God the Holy Spirit through his word, and he will speak to us in our heart and in our mind, in our spirit. He will speak to us. But to ensure that what, he, what you hear is truly the, the, the Spirit of God, you must ensure that it's consistent with his word. You follow? Because he's not adding anything new to his word. And these, these guys who teach this stuff that, that God is adding stuff to his word, no. No. Confession. We talked about confession. Luke 18.13. You remember? The one righteous man, right? Supposedly he thought he was righteous. The Pharisee. Oh God, I'm glad you didn't make me like this guy over here. This guy's a real knucklehead over here. He's a dirty, rotten sinner, this one over here. Oh, I'm so glad you made me, etc., etc. And he started bragging on himself. Then, then the, the publican there, who wouldn't so much as lift his, his eyes to heaven, but smote his breast and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Confession. Then take time to read the word. And then intercede. That's to pray for other people. And then petition God. You need some things. Jesus said, whatever you need, ask the Father. He desires to bless his children. Then pray the word. Find some passages and, and pray those things. How all shall a, a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? Oh, Lord. So you can pray. Help me to keep your word. Help me to learn your word. You follow then thanksgiving, give thanks to God. Oh, we have so much to be thankful for. And singing. You say, well, I don't have much of a voice. It doesn't matter. Sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. And then meditate. Now, we're not talking about some transcendental meditation, okay? Some weird thing. No, we're talking about taking a passage of Scripture and really chewing on it, if you will. Analyzing it and asking God, what are you teaching me through this verse? And then listening. Listening. Just sit and listen. Listen to what God says. And then praising. And that will help you in your walk in the light of God's love. We're going to have that again on, on Wednesday as we look at God the Holy Spirit. So let's stand, please. If you're here today, maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. We pray that today you will accept him as your Lord and Savior as we say. Or maybe you're here and you, you're, you don't know if you should join this church. Ask the Lord what he would have you do. And as we sing, you make your commitment to the Lord and you step right down. That us. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word, and we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.